0: This podcast is sponsored by listeners like you. How very PBS, I know. But honestly, the show doesn't have resources like something like This American Life or, or larger shows. I'd say we have 10 times less or 20 times less, but since I'm often multiplying by just one here, I think that's a tough call to make. So please, as of these words coming out of my mouth into this microphone, we are a mere $75 away from our first goal. Make that a reality at patreon.com slash for as little as a dollar. And there's some pretty awesome stuff too, mini-sodes, unedited interviews, all that stuff is included under that umbrella. You should check it out. It'll help me greatly. Thank you. On that note, hey everybody, and welcome to the Lap Storytelling Podcast where we tell true stories gussied up. I'm your host, Kyle Jest, and today we've got a story that walks what is typically a dangerous line. One of those subjects that if you're the guy at the party making light of it, Chances are you're the chucklehead everyone wishes would leave. But what about when it's actually happened to you? Is that still taboo? Jesse Conweiler is a woman who managed to take her sexual assault and turn it into something that is both moving and genuinely funny. Fair warning here. The act itself is only briefly mentioned, not drawn out, but if you are a survivor of sexual assault and you are easily triggered, please don't let us be the one to trigger you. I'm adopting Jesse's title here. This one's called Meet My Rapist. Here comes, this is the lapse. Jesse Connweiler is a rebel. The kind of rebel only earned through an ex-military academy. Tongue ring, dreadlocks, Jewish girl power.
1: I need to go someplace like badass. I want to have an experience.
0: Jesse's in college. Letting loose, discovering herself.
1: Oh my God, feminism, communism, like all the isms and hand jobs.
0: Which is why her junior year, she'll be studying abroad. For the former, that is.
1: And one of the counselors was like, oh, we have a program in Vietnam. And I was like, done. Basically, for the rest of my life, I'd be able to say, you know, when I was in Nam. It was definitely a huge culture shock. I was, like, the biggest person there, bigger than all the dudes, some, like, kosher Shrek, you know, like, trekking through the city, going out at night and seeing, you know, the fat expats with the, you know, 15-year-old Vietnamese girls. And if you're wondering, they actually don't like to be lectured on third-wave feminism.
0: Inside Vietnam, unless you're already knee-deep familiar with Uber, it kind of takes some getting used to.
1: The way to get around in Vietnam is by motorbike.
0: That is, motorbike rideshares. Because every Vietnamese citizen is also actually a potential taxi driver. So long as they're male, anyway.
1: Women, I, I mean, I didn't have any women drivers. Women drove the motorbikes and women rode on the motorbikes. But the thing is, if you're a woman, you're riding side saddle. Like, your legs are crossed to one side of the thing, you're very proper. And I was just like, fuck that. I would hike up my skirt and just, like, spread eagle, like, fuck you guys, I got a tongue ring.
0: Courtesy another few motorbikes, Jessie and her fellow exchange students plan to crash a bar out in way.
1: You know, just take us to wherever.
0: So they do. Turns out, this isn't a city bar they're being taken to. No, this is textbook middle-of-nowhere stuff, way out in the jungle. The bar is mostly dead less occupied by locals, more occupied by racist expats.
1: Dude, Vietnamese women are awesome because you fuck them and then you wake up the next morning and they're cleaning your floor.
0: Needless to say, it doesn't take much until Jessie's sad enough. So, her and her friend pick a couple bikes at random and venture back through yonder jungle. The
1: really amazing thing about Vietnam is that it's always raining. You know, it's always raining. So there's no point really in drying off because by the time you do, it's just going to rain again. And this was such a novel thing to me because, you know, I'm in L.A. I mean, it's basically like a state of emergency every time it rains here. In Vietnam, it rains. They get wet. They just get wet.
0: Jessie closes her eyes, one amongst the raindrops. The drivers kick past one another, alternately playful game of cat and mouse. Somewhere along the way, their paths diverge. Jesse's friend is no longer in sight.
1: And I was really drunk, but I remember being like, that's really weird, like, is he lost or something? And then he started to touch me. I'd been taking all these like feminist theory classes and how to empower yourself, intellectualizing, you know, what I would ever do, but like when it was really happening to me, I completely froze. Here's this guy that has all this power over me and he literally weighs like 50 pounds less than me. He didn't speak English and I didn't speak Vietnamese and there wasn't one word exchanged. But I knew that in that moment, if I wanted to stay alive and get out of that jungle, I had to play dead.
0: When it's finally over, Jesse's rapist drives her home.
1: And my friend is like waiting for me in the middle of the street, and he's like fucking pissed. Like he thinks I've just been like fucking off or whatever, I don't know.
0: Her friend calls her inside. She tells him what happened.
1: I joke that I didn't tip him. I just remember drinking till like the sun came up. And I woke up the next morning and my friend was a wreck. He was ashamed or embarrassed or mad at himself for leaving me or whatever. And I just, in that moment, like, went on autopilot. And for me, autopilot is like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. You're not a victim. You're okay. You were raped, but it wasn't that bad. You're fine.
0: She's fine. She can prove it. She hooks up with this guy, a sculptor, the next night. Yes, she's got stomach cramps. And yes, she's taking 10 laxatives a day.
1: I just didn't see any correlation. I was fine. I'm okay.
0: A full four months pass. Jessie finishes her studies abroad and heads home.
1: I'm a Jew, so like my after school activity is therapy. I mean, I told everybody about it my friends, my teachers, the mailman. I remember I went and saw this dude therapist. I told him, I said, you know, I was just in study abroad and I got raped. And he stood up and he opened his arms and he offered me a hug. I've always been, like, an overachiever, so, like, my rape would be no different. It's like, if I'm going to get raped, I'm going to be, like, the best fucking rape victim, the strongest rape victim ever.
0: It's the following summer. Jessie's living with her roommate Chelsea in New York.
1: I was riding on the subway to my internship, and all of a sudden my heart just started pounding.
0: At first, it doesn't occur to her. The sights and the smells of Chinatown.
1: And... (sighs) Like my vision started getting blurry and I started to like have really scary visions and my palms were sweating and I was looking around the train and it felt like everybody was like staring at me and about to like haul me off to the loony bin. I don't know if you've ever had a panic attack. Like it feels like you're watching your own death.
0: Her doc writes a prescription, clonopin anti-anxiety.
1: So, you know, I spent like the next five years like still maintaining my absolute okayness.
0: 27 years old, some New York City club.
1: I like met this guy and he was perfectly fine. And he's like buying me Merlot and kale salads and we're like doing the bumpity bump, doing the Macarena, ironically. And all of a sudden he slaps me on the ass. I'm a little drunk and I turn around and I'm like, you know, when you slap me on the ass, It reminds me of the time I got raped. I don't know if you've ever seen a dick shrivel inside of a man's body before, but this poor guy. (laughs) I was the only one laughing. Like, all my friends were like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) This is, like, so weird.
0: She brushes it off at first. It was a joke, guys. Whatever. But the next night, she can't help but shake the feeling that something ain't quite right.
1: Dude... My rape happened seven years ago. Why am I not over this shit yet? What is wrong with me? And, and I started having all these questions about like, well, who is this guy? And I started getting really resentful because it's like, this guy fucking raped me. I'm sure he's fine, but I'm here still thinking about it. What more can I do? Like, I've been to therapy. I've talked about it. I've had other relationships. Like, what else can I do to expel this thing? Thus, Meet My Rapist was born. <laughs> A short
0: satirical film about rape. Probably the definition of a tough sell. But here it is.
1: It's like Transformers meets Strip Tease. No, I'm just kidding. Meet My Rapist is a satirical dark comedy and it's about this young free-spirited Jewish chick named Jessie and she runs into her rapist at the farmer's market. The film is really about her taking her rapist through the events of her life to kind of show him the effect that he's had on her life. So she takes him to therapy, you know, he comes with her at a job interview and she she meets his parents and all the kind of steps you would take you know, with somebody that you were very intimate with. And the conceit really is that my rapist is probably the most important man in my life. I was really nervous when we put the movie out because I had come out to my family, but I hadn't come out to, like, my 95-year-old grandma on the Upper West Side. Not only did I get raped, but, like, I'm sitting here making, like, a comedy about it. Like, it's just... Is that not, like, the tackiest shit ever? Like, my grandma's, like, a lady and shit. You know what I mean? Like, what's she going to think of me? So I decided to email her the film first. My hands are like, shaking as I send the email. And I get a reply, like, two seconds later. Jessie, I love what you've done with your rape. Like, from then on, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I have my boobies approval. Like, it's fucking on.
0: Because the film is so deeply personal, it kind of manages the impossible. It's not offensive. It's funny in the smartest possible way. And it's not just critical praise, either.
1: So many emails and letters and messages, I was raped and this is exactly how it is, or like, my cousin was raped, or like, I'm a dad of three, and like, That's like filmmaker orgasm. Like, it doesn't get better than that. Please, forget it. Sayonara. I'm done. Unless I get raped again. No, I'm kidding. Kidding, kidding.
0: Jessie's riding the wave of praise. She's got a big old screening over at New York Slam Slamdance Film Festival, and again, cleans up. Cue the after party.
1: I'm super excited because I'm single, and I'm like, it's gonna be all these cute indie festival dudes with their beards and their screenplays, and we're just gonna like, power couple it up, and it's gonna be awesome, and like, meet me in the jacuzzi. And it was just like, I had, Caution tape all around me, like nobody wanted to get anywhere around me. I noticed the guys would come up to me and be like, You know, I really enjoyed your film, it was really good, but like in this way that was like, Good job, slugger. Like I was some like pity case or like victim. One guy, like, literally straight up bowed to me. I was like, Okay, like I'm like the Duchess of Ravesville now. I guess the culmination I was at this bar and you know, I'm flirting with this guy, and all of a sudden I hear, Oh, my God, you're the rape girl. And this little feminist chick comes up to me, and she's like, Oh, my God, like, I love your rape movie. Tell me all about your rape. And again, like, the poor guy I'm flirting with, he's like, I forgot I I had to go wash my hair, you know? And it's like, you've gone. Having this title of the rape girl, it's like, I don't, I don't, you know, what are you supposed to do with that? Because I was so open with my work, people felt like they could be totally open with me, and there was no boundaries. You know, I was never really a fan of small talk anyway, but it's just like, man, like, after a certain point, like, you just want to talk about the weather. Like, I don't want to talk about your suicide or your cat's suicide or cancer or, you know, it's just like, oh, hey, they.
0: For better or worse, the film's a part of Jesse. The only choice she has, really, is to let the hype subside. That is, until the Daily Mail hits. The headline?
1: Conweiler repels men with rape film. Everything that I had said in the past year since the film came out was raped in Vietnam, boom, took laxatives, boom, has two therapists, boom, had an eating disorder, boom, had trouble getting laid after rape, boom. And I, what have I done? I have shown too much, I've exposed too much, and I sound like a crazy person. And the worst part about it is, is like, I created this monster. I put the film out there. I started talking about it. It's all me. It brought around the same question of just like, so now that you've made this film, like, are you okay? You know? And again, that pressure to be like, okay, what is happening and how do I feel about it?
0: Real recent, December 2014. Jessie's getting her wax done.
1: My weekly Chewbacca, I call it. And I decided to treat myself to like a pedicure. I'm like making small talk with them, I'm like, oh, where are you guys from? And this girl looks up at me between my hairy toes and she's like, oh, we're from Vietnam. And I am just like waiting. My God, Vietnam, am I ever gonna get over Vietnam? And I'm waiting and this panic attack like doesn't come. I'm actually fine. You know, I just didn't even think about it. I'm like, you know, I've been to Vietnam and they got so excited, you know. This woman asked me, oh, you know, did you like it? And like, she will never be able to understand like how deep that question is, you know? I hold like my red upper lip where my mustache used to be a few seconds ago, and I really think about it. Vietnam, and that motorbike, and Meet My Rapist, and the rape girl, and everything that went into it. And I think about the 20-year-old me who really just wanted an experience. And I was like, Yeah, dude. I fucking loved it. I did. You know what I mean? Like, I always thought that like I had to be strong and that I needed to survive and that I needed to show I was okay. But actually, the real strength is being like, I'm not okay, and that's okay. It's like so cheesy, but like that has made me who I am. That's brought me like the funniest moments, that's introduced me to so many amazing people. Like
0: it's the rape that keeps on giving, really. That story again was shared by Jesse Conweiler. If you have yet to see her short film, the moment this podcast ends, go to thelapse.org and watch it there. Seriously, there's a reason it got as much attention as it did. She's a fantastic storyteller. She knows what she's doing. And you owe it to yourself to check it out. If I could include every single hilarious thing that Jesse said in this interview, this episode would probably be about an hour long. <laughs> That's how long the interview was, and it's its honestly the unedited conversation is probably one of the funniest the show has ever had. If you want to listen to that, it's available now for our supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash the laps. Lastly, and certainly not leastly though, a massive, massive, massive thank you to Jeremy Tarian, for helping with this episode's sound design. He is the reason that you're able to listen to this now rather than later. As if you needed any more incentive to help the show, you could have more of these more often if I can actually afford to pay him. We're very close to our first goal. If you want to help, patreon.com thelaps My name is Kyle Jest, and this was The Lapse. Thank you so much for listening.